morning from sunny Australia. Um, this is episode number 56 of So What's Been Happening. A uh, really exciting guest we've got with us today. We've gone a little bit out of our music genre that we've created recently. Um, wasn't was kind of by default that really happened with some great mates and musicians jumping on around the world, which has been awesome. Um, and then in from there, we've had a lot of sports chats and we've also had a couple of art chats but in particular uh i'm really excited about this one because we actually get to chat incredible detailed art um and we combine sport and music within that so it's a it's an all eggs one basket uh today so um, what i'm going to do i'm just going to intro this with a little video first and then we're going to bring up our main man Keegan, the most talented person you ever had on this program. I'm the talent for bringing the light, the paper. One of the best artists, drawers in the world, hands down. So I suppose there's no doubt who I'm going to bring up next, Mr. Keegan Hall. How are you? Hey. Hey, thanks for having me, Aaron. Appreciate it. Yeah, welcome. Um, episode number 56 of So What's Been Happening. Welcome to the show. Um, good good evening uh, to you in Washington. Yeah, a little bit of a time difference on the other side of the world here, but uh, no, it's perfect. Yeah, it is. Um, tell us a little bit about uh, what life's like right now in Washington. Well, I mean, like everybody, we're dealing with COVID, but we're, we're pretty good out here in Washington with sticking to the rules, so it's not quite as bad, but uh, we got a nice sunshine summer going on here, so uh, life is good. That's great to hear. Great to hear. We we can't wait for a little bit of summer. We're in, we're, we're on the way uh, into our summer period, but we've, we've got to... We've got to get through a bit more COVID lockdown yet. We're, we're sadly locked down in Melbourne at the moment. Um, I mean, oh. you you kind of laugh at our case numbers in compared to what you guys have used, been used to, but we're sitting at about 70, between 70 and 100 cases a day only, and they've locked the whole state down and most of the country. So in it's pretty much uh, like half a dozen countries at the moment in Australia, all locked down borders, no one can move around Um the good part about that is some sports are still happening, so they they kind of get the golden ticket to move around and and pass and uh, play. And we're coming into finals time now, so that'll that'll be a great experience and a good distractor. Yeah, no kidding. I think sports has been the saving grace. Just at least you know going back to the NBA, watching it in the bubble, at least seeing games, and now the stadiums are starting to open again. So it's a little sliver of normal life, but we still got a ways to go. Yeah, just on that, what what did you think of the last uh, eighteen months in respect of the bubble scenarios? Uh, obviously, NHL did it and had some sad some issues along the way, but largely they were pretty good. NBA had the same. Uh, NFL being out mainly outdoor, but and much bigger teams and moving around, they had all different situations as well. So, I mean, I think it got better for this for this last new into the new season now, but it's been what two seasons now for the NBA nearly. Yeah, I mean, you realize how big of an impact uh, live crowds have on the game and the experience. You know, in, in the beginning, you were watching it on TV, at least here in the States, and it was a silent arena other than what's going on in the court. And then I think as they progress and start to figure out how to do this, you know, an online broadcast, 
with no with no fans, they started interjecting kind of like the fake crowd noise to give you a feeling that it was kind of real. But yeah, it's just it's it's been weird to to see the transition from no fans to fans to now fans and now going back to maybe no fans again. Um, but I mean, as a sports fan, I think we're just excited to see you know the athletes on the field and and see some action. Yeah, definitely, definitely. It's um, it's been really good. Uh, well, I suppose it's been a pleasant distractor during the, during the lockdown phases that we've had for the last. Sadly, it's been nearly two years now for us. So, um, as it is as it is for you guys. So, look, uh, it it makes it a little bit um, hard to get around, no doubt. And and obviously, overseas travel's going to be a distant memory for a little while. Um, sadly, uh, we used to. I was involved in in uh, a charity called Stop Concussions, which we were bringing out the Canadian and USA ice hockey teams to play mm-hmm. to play a series in Australia, um, all raising money for concussion awareness. And it was right around that phase when the concussion movie came out, mm-hmm. and obviously it was a massive topic at the time, right? But to to not have, be able to do that again, we actually just hosted a virtual game, um, which well, virtually meaning ho- brought into Australia, but it was. It was uh, played in Toronto, Canada, just last weekend. Mm. Uh, so the Canada, USA guys that we could get together that were that weren't traveling, we we put a game together and then streamed it into Australia. So something very different, but you've you kind of got to make it up as you go these days. And that's it's it's I've I've been a part of a few other events because I, I do a lot of charity events too, and they're used to having big banquets and stuff like that, and all that's even going online. So it's just yeah. like I think everyone's starting to figure out how do we you know, move around in this new environment uh, that we're kind of stuck within. We sure are. I mean, pe- people are buying houses online virtually without <laughs> even getting going to the house. So that's a pretty crazy experience too. But I suppose it's uh, if we can online shop, we can we can definitely make make the best of buying a house or doing whatever we've got to do to get through, right? Why not? Yeah, why not? Yeah. All right, mate, a little bit about you. Um, just tell us a little bit about life growing up as a as a young boy um and obviously well probably well before art kind of gripped you but what was life like growing up for in washington yeah i mean i think at least for me personally i, I grew up um relatively poor really uh, i mean i lived in a trailer park for most of my childhood up until really i got to high school is when i got my first or my parents got their first house um, so I think, uh, you know, just growing up in that type of environment, you kind of develop a different perspective of the world. And then just to kind of add a little twist into that childhood, I have one sibling who uh, is handicapped. So uh, she has cerebral palsy. So I think just all these dynamics kind of gave me a different view of the world and the people around me. And I mean, it, it was good and bad, but I think I was a, a very quiet, shy kid Um, as a result of some of these external factors. And then I kind of gravitated towards art as a result. Um, So I did a lot of drawing, a lot of creative tasks growing up. And then sports was really my other kind of savior to to keep me busy. So between those two, I guess sprinkling a little bit of business. Like I used to, I'm a really big, or I was a really big uh, sports card collector and comics. So I would go to all the little card shows and try to like, sell and buy and trade my few cards that I had, but just kind of uh, playing in all these different elements as, as a kid kind of uh, is what I remember uh, as my childhood. 
Yeah, look, uh, as we know, sports cards are still still really big now, and if anything, probably bigger than when when we were kids now. So, yeah, he's still still a collector in that space. It's funny because it's uh, I when I was younger, I basically traded all of my cards, my whole collection, for a single card, and that was a Michael Jordan rookie card. And I think back then it was like two hundred fifty dollars, but it was like my holy grail card, and I just held on to it. And I still have it. And it's been crazy to kind of see the valuation of that card fluctuate. And then, you know, the grading is obviously critical now. And then seeing really the resurgence of sports cards again. And with a little sprinkle of art mixed into a lot of these card companies, it's been fun to see as well. So I've been kind of having fun getting back into collecting again and kind of seeing where this hobby is going. And I've been, I've been chatting with some of the card companies too about, uh, doing my own sets and stuff like that. So, uh, no, it's an interesting time for sure. Yeah, very cool. Very cool. Um, so, and art, art as a kid, was that was that sort of in your in your mix? Like, were you, were you a drawer, natural drawer as a kid, or how did it kind of kick off for you that you remember? Yeah, I mean, I don't, there's no artists in my family. So, this was kind of, I was kind of an anomaly. It's, I've, I'm from a very blue collar family, just everyone kind of works in the shop. So having a kid, especially a boy who was interested in art, you know, yep. wasn't the norm in our family at all. But uh, no, I, so I mentioned I used to collect comics and I used to get comics not to read them, but just to draw from them. So I would practice, you know, basically getting new comic books and trying to draw all the pictures within those comic books. You know, Spider-Man's actually, I don't know if you can see it, but there's a wall over here that's the entire wall is Marvel comics of like the, yeah. the old school ones. So it's kind of some of the ones that I grew up on. Um, so it's always been a part of me for sure. And uh, I think as I kind of grew up and got into like high school and I started to dabble with, you know, more realistic drawings, um, you know, I, I was always fascinated with, could you take a, the simplest tool possible, just a pencil, a single pencil, and could you create something that was so detailed that people couldn't tell the difference between that and a photo. So I think that seed was planted very early. And it took me kind of a long time to, you know, figure out my approach to solving that puzzle. And I think I'm still trying to figure it out, but that was kind of the fun part is, is trying to crack that code. Yeah. Um, I think you got an incredible story, mate. Um, not just what you're doing now. That that's, that's the icing on the cake, I think, but mate, you go all the way back to when you're a, a tiny kid that, you wouldn't even remember um, when this incident happened at the baseball. Um, mate, just yeah. tell me a little bit about that story. Like, it's incredible. Nine months old. Yeah. I mean, that, it's it's kind of been how my life has unraveled. Just a bunch of these just ridiculous events. And obviously that one might be the most ridiculous one of, you know, nine month old baby. Um, both my parents were really big athletes, loved to play sports and uh, they actually took me to a, one of their softball games. So during that game, the players were warming up and my dad was actually holding me out in the crowd in the stands there. And I remember the shortstop fielded a ball and then just rifled it to the first baseman. And he just missed the first baseman by a mile. The, the ball flew over his head out into the crowd. And actually my dad was perfectly holding me, uh, you know, hold me and the, the ball came and just hit me perfectly on the head. Didn't hit his arm, nothing, right on my skull, like a, a fastball, essentially. 
and just chaos ensued after that. So obviously the whole crowd started freaking out. My dad was freaking out. No one really knew what to do. So I guess his first reaction was just to take off running towards the parking lot. And that's what he did. He basically tucked me like a football, took off running and uh, was trying to find his car to you know get me to the hospital or something. And uh, another person ended up pulling in to the parking lot right as he got out there. And he, they, as they got out of their car, he basically stole their car, jumped in their car and just took off. And uh, the fire station was a few miles away. So that was the closest place he could get me to. Um, they quickly assessed the damage of, of me. And uh, it was obviously far beyond what they could handle there at the fire department or at the fire station. So I got an ambulance and took me to the nearest hospital. Um, and uh, it turned out I had my, my skull was fractured in eight spots. And I actually have a few different scars um, that kind of run across my head of just, you know, where the damage was done. But uh, obviously I, I lived and I'm still here. And that was the kind of the, the running joke was, you know, I don't know if that baseball, that, that, that hit to the head made me way smarter or way dumber than I would have been otherwise. <laughs> but definitely did something. Well, I can tell you um, that baseball had something in it, mate, that gave you an incredible talent. That's for sure. Rattled um, my brain and rewired a few circuits, I think. So Yeah, that's it. If you didn't have it then, you had it now. Still um, recovering, I think. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, mate, let's let's move on to sort of what you're doing now. And yeah. um, you, 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 I believe kind of reading your story that you gave up art for a while or, or kind of put it in the back burner. And then now you've really come back to it in the last couple of years. So just tell us a little bit about that. Yeah. I mean, I, I think like, like most people, you know, I, I had a lot of people telling me that art's not a real career and, you know, you're really not that good. So you should start planning other directions for your life. So as I was coming out of college, um, I, I basically listened to all those people and I got my degree and then just went straight into the business world, uh, never to do art again. I just had no plans of ever going back and just started essentially my business career of sales and marketing and, and working my way and, uh, through that field. got involved in startups. I actually went back and got my uh, MBA at the University of Washington. So I was all in on the business route and uh, ran uh, sales and marketing for a startup and had some success there. Um, and... Uh, yeah, no art anywhere in this picture until kind of one day, uh, you know, when my life suddenly changed is when I got that, uh, uh, the news that my mom actually had cancer. And uh, we kind of went through the whole cancer treatment one time and miraculously she beat it. Uh, the type of cancer that she had was actually really deadly. So the fact that she overcame it the first time was completely unbelievable. And we were uh, cancer free for two years and then out of nowhere it came back again. And it was, you know, worse than ever. And uh, she was just starting to get, uh, you know, starting to get back into chemo and radiation and all that stuff where um, I just got a call saying, hey, you know, your mom's not feeling well. And uh, so this is on a Friday. Um, she went to the hospital on Saturday the next day and she actually passed away on the Sunday. So it just happened really, really fast. Um, you know, none of us were expecting anything remotely close to this, we thought she was just going in for, you know, you, it happens often you go in, you get fluids or whatever you recover a couple days later, you come out, but just to have everything happen so fast, it kind of just like, just shocked me to my core and really forced me to take a step back 
and reassess my whole life and the direction I was going and what I want to do and the type of impact I want to have on this world. And all these things were just kind of swirling through my head all at one time. And, um, you know, I remember, uh, you know, probably two months after she passed, I was, uh, you know, there was something just pulling at me. I was thinking about her and my childhood and how a lot of our happiest times really revolved around my artwork. She was always my biggest fan and, you know, loved all my crappy drawings I did as a kid. And so for some reason, I just sat down to do a drawing, you know, something I hadn't done in almost 10 years. And uh, my, my first drawing there was um, Michael Jordan, who is my favorite player of all time. I uh, just posted that online with no expectations. And, uh, you know, a bunch of friends were like, wow, that's really good. I didn't even know you could draw. Um, my next drawing was Cam Chancellor of the Seattle Seahawks posted that one and he actually shared it he saw it shared it on his social media and asked me to do a piece for him so right out the gates i was like oh i got all these eyeballs on my work now mm -hmm. and uh, one thing that i like to do with my drawings is really take people through that creation process from the very very first sketch on the on the paper all the way through the beginning so as and i share those updates on social media daily or almost daily and cam was resharing all of those as I did his drawing. So it just opened up a lot of visibility to my artwork right out the gates. And uh, it kind of led to many, many more things that I, I kind of couldn't believe, but I knew right from that day one that I wanted to figure out a way to use my artwork to give back yep. and kind of help out kids that were like me growing up who didn't have a lot of money and uh, you know, didn't have access to a lot of opportunities. And I remember, um, I saw Richard Sherman on Twitter. He had mentioned something about his uh, charity event that was coming up. So I had this idea and I just randomly sent him a tweet out of nowhere. I'm just some random dude on the internet. It was like, Hey, I got this idea. Like, I'd, I'd love to tell you about it. Um, can I send you a DM? So he's like, yeah, yeah. And so I sent him a DM and it was like, Hey man. So my idea is I want to do a drawing of you. And I want to I want to get 200 prints made, and we're both going to sign them, and we're going to sell them for 200 each. So it's 200 for 200, and I want to donate it all to charity. And I was like, "What do you think?" And just right away, he was like, "Let's do it." So it kind of happened just like that, where um, you know I remember we announced this big campaign on uh, Monday, and the on sale date was that Friday, and that whole week was just bonkers. Like the media picked it up all over nationally internationally about this project you know they had kind of my backstory as it came back into art into this campaign and by the time friday rolled out rolled around it sold out in the first day so we raised forty thousand dollars just like that and uh that was kind of the first one of many that would follow it's incredible i mean uh an inspiration of a of, uh, with a dream basically and said you know i want to make a difference and instantly $40,000 like that's that's just incredible um must be must give you a hell of a lot of pride from that very first moment to look back on that now a couple of years on thinking uh, that's what kicked it all off for me so it's a pretty cool moment yeah I always look back on that as the you know from Cam like I've developed a really good relationship with a lot of these guys you know just from Cam giving me that that first exposure to Sherman giving me that first project and then just watching it kind of pick up steam from there. And obviously just the people, uh, you know, supporting my artwork from the beginning, you know, I think we're all kind of pitching in different ways from the athletes to 
my artwork to the community. And it's been so amazing to see what we've done together. And it's kind of really changed my perspective on what, what art can do and the power of artwork when kind of we all are aligned in the same direction, pulling the same way and seeing some of the results that we've delivered um, from this artwork. Sorry, just had a little audio freeze there for two seconds, but all good. I got the gist of that one. Um, yeah, so, I mean, let's let's start off with one of your, uh, the, the piece that got me first and foremost, and obviously being an incredible Jordan fan, I actually came across this. It was around, I think it was around June last year, around that kind of timing. Um, and I think that's about when you were doing it, if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and this piece started to come to me it wasn't through instagram i think i saw the first one of the a little piece of the drawing on one an art jordan fan fan page Hmm. and i saw a little snippet and i thought wow what is this this thing looks incredible you know i couldn't tell if it was a little charcoal piece or, or what and this was one of the images i think i saw which obviously you've posted now through your social media and i think it was obviously that's a fair way into the phase already but um, that moment for me is I, I've clearly still got the poster. I had the poster on my wall as a kid, as so many people did around the world. Um, that 88 dunk contest was just epic. Right. Um, and to, to see this, what it became in the end being this piece. Uh, I mean, people are still just captivated by the fact that this, this is like, like the trailer said at the start that this, this is a real drawing by a real human and <laughs> my, how, how your mind is programmed to pull that off is just, you know, epic for me. Uh, I think it's just incredible. So just tell me a little bit about the man hours in that piece and how it came together. Yeah. I mean, I, I think I underestimated when I originally posted about it. I think I put like 250. I think it was way more than that. Um, and it was, I think it took like over six months to do. It was just super labor intensive. I would work on it for hours and hours and make like an inch of progress. And I just, I never thought it was going to finish. But what was so interesting is that, um, you know, when I started the drawing, I was kind of afraid to take on the background. So my original plan was just to blur out the background. So I was going to focus on Jordan and the dunk and then the people were going to be blurry. So I, I don't know if you go back and watch the time lapse of the drawing, you'll see like the upper right-hand corner because I draw right to left because I'm a lefty. Um, the upper right hand, it starts off a blurry background and then I'm, I get kind of, I'm going down the page and I kind of like think, man, if I'm going to put all these hours into this thing, I might as well just go all out and let me see if I can pull this thing off. So then I go back up to that top corner and then I start working my way down with that sharper, crisper detail. And, uh, and it was fun as I worked through it and posting, you know, on social media, you know, everyone who already followed me, you know, they really enjoyed the process. But once it was finished and and then kind of released out into the world, it was crazy to see the reaction that came after that. And I remember it started with Reddit. So I remember I just I just posted it on, on one of the subreddits there. And I like I went to bed for the night and I woke up the next day and it was like chaos. It was just like thousands and thousands of upvotes. I think now it's like 230 something thousand upvotes. It's like one of the most upvoted posts 
in the history of all of Reddit. It was crazy. And then just like my website crashed and all these people were sharing it from Reddit to, you know, all across social media. And then the media jumped on board and it was like the USA Today. And like it was just, it was bonkers. I couldn't even keep up with all of it as a result. So it's been, it was just so crazy to see these two halves of this kind of slow, laborious process as I was just working my way through the piece and then just seeing that kind of the other half of it of all the pandemonium that ensued as people kind of learned about the finished piece itself. Yeah. And I think one of the little snippets uh, I sort of noticed and, and found out along the way, which I thought was just one of the coolest thing was that, that where's Waldo, where's Wally kind of yeah. moment where, where you, 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 you threw yourself in just right on the scoring on the scoring bench there, just in the little right-hand side um, in amongst some other famous names, mate. It's, it's, it's great. Have you ever done that in any other pieces or was it a strictly Jordan piece? No, I started doing that. Actually, I usually hide myself in different places. Like sometimes it's a person in the crowd. If that's, if there's a person in the crowd to be uh, added to, or sometimes I'll just hide myself in like the Jersey or something. So you can really got to like seek me out, but Ironically, that was one of the pieces because so many people thought it was a fake drawing. They didn't, they thought I just, it was just a Photoshop's filter or something. And then people started to like look through it. And there was a, all the people that I switched out with, you know, hiding different faces here and there. So people finally realized that it was actually a drawing and not because it didn't match, obviously. So that was one of the, the saving graces was by putting in those faces. So uh, no, it's been something I've been doing for a while. Uh, and I've, I've been doing it kind of on, on every piece kind of moving forward if I can. Yeah. And, um, not only a massive love for Jordan, um, for me and, and some of the other pieces you've done are just incredible too, but this one kind of really resonated me and anyone that knows me just knows that I absolutely love, love this great man and, and was shattered like everyone else in the basketball community and around the world when he, when he passed away. So what an epic tribute. What a beautiful picture too. Um, I've, I've seen photos very similar to that, and um, you know, for you to for you to be able to capture that, um, mate, you must be really proud. I was, yeah, that was one of my earlier drawings. That was actually before he had passed. But what was really cool is that um, somebody purchased a print of that drawing from from me, and then actually went and had Kobe sign it. So it was cool to know that Kobe got to see my artwork before he Absolutely. passed. He's signed the print so uh, i just wish i could have got my hands on a copy of my own but uh, that mm. was kind of at least that was pretty cool to, to be a part of yeah look just on that whole story that the fact that that's happened um and and that kobe did get to see it makes it even more more special i'm sure yeah totally it's been cool to see i mean i, I never realized you know that all these things would, would grow out of this you know me getting back into art but i've been able to meet so many amazing people along the way from the artists that I've been able to draw and beyond. So it's been kind of mind blowing to see, you know, all this thing kind of continually get bigger and bigger and raise more money and kind of see all the tangents that keep jumping off as a result. So it's, I'm just kind of holding on for the ride and seeing where it's going next. Yeah. And it's, it's speaking of big and big names. Um, if someone doesn't know that little pose, um, <laughs> You don't you don't follow basketball because that's that's a real epic classic LeBron move um, that's that we see 
pretty much in every the start of every game. Uh, and that that chalk moment that's so captured so well there. I, I noticed uh, the beauty of just that, even that chalk that sprayed in the air um, is fantastic. And it, it didn't need a crowd in that one. But I'm sure you haven't snuck yourself into a, onto the tattoo or anything of, of LeBron there. It's funny, a few of the drawings I, I forgot. I was like, crap, I forgot to draw myself into them. So there's a couple I wish I could have gone back in and, and, and add that. Like this, uh, the one here that I did with Eddie Vedder recently. I forgot to add my, my face onto that one too. So I was like, uh, So uh, there's a few that got away from me, but most there, mo- I mean, most of them. Yeah. Well, let's, let's just move to that one again quickly. 30th anniversary yesterday, which would be your today of the Alive album for Pearl Jam. Um, just incredible. I remember the literally the day that came out mm-hmm. um, and a good friend of mine said, mate, these guys are going to be huge and held me up that album. And I was like, huge? Oh, mate, they're pretty good, but I'm not, I'm not, I'm not I haven't bought it yet, you know? And boy, did I rue that, dis- that decision or that mistake and been a massive Pearl Jam fan ever since. But um, yeah, what a, what a massive moment. And, and to be able to, to be able to now for yourself, um, obviously being Washington, Seattle area, being a huge music fan as well, um, to be able to put together this story that you've done to, to work through this piece, um, I think is incredible as well. This is where it, it kicked off. Yeah, it's been fun. I mean, just I, I remember when, when Chris Cornell passed originally. And I mean, again, growing up in S- Seattle area, the whole grunge from Nirvana, Pearl Jam, Soundgarden, it just goes. You know, there's so many historic bands that came out of this area. So when uh, when Cornell first passed, there was just something pulling me to do a piece of him. So that's kind of where it started. Is I drew uh, Chris Cornell posted that and um, ended up getting in touch with his family as a result. And uh, so they ended up sharing the drawing on yeah, there's the drawing on Chris Cornell's official uh, social media accounts. So that kind of got my visibility to that world, and then. Um, I remember there was a, a news station that, that did an interview and they're like, who do you want to work with next? And I was like, man, my, my all time favorite band is, is Pearl Jam. So that's like, that's, that's the one. And I remember the, the newscaster just looked at the camera and she's like, Eddie Vedder, if you're out there, like give him a call. And, um, and then I, I posted that, that little clip on social media and, and that's how it started. We, we got in uh, contact and, you know, I've uh, been working with, you know, and obviously his wife, Jill, and just putting this whole project together. They've been just so cool to work with and supportive. And uh, that was just a, a crazy project, too, because I remember we were trying to figure out the price that we wanted to um, list the prints at. And I remember um, Jill was adamant that we price it higher because she's like, no, there's like we could raise a lot more money if we price it higher. And I was kind of like, oh, I don't know. Like, I want to make sure we sell them all. I don't want to go too high. And I remember we were like, all right, how about 500? And I was still kind of like, oh, I don't know. 500 seems like it's a high, but I guess let's try it. Um, and then they sold out in less than an hour. And yeah. we raised 100 grand in an hour. So it was like bonkers. We, Jill was right. I can officially admit it now. She was right. We should have went higher. We could have raised a ton more money. Um, but no, it's been cool getting to know, know them and, uh, hopefully we'll have some uh, future projects together here. So it's been, it's been a win all the way around. Yeah, absolutely. And regarding fundraising, I mean, mate, remember that, that first moment you talked about with that $40,000, which is an epic number, no doubt 
to raise at any time, even if it was your whole career you've raised in art, art now. Mate, tell me where you're up to now. I, I can't believe the kind of numbers you, you've pulled in that go that end back at charities. Yeah, I mean, we're up over 550,000 now, and it's just growing every day. I mean, I, I do a lot of these big campaigns with athletes and musicians and stuff like that that are just big chunks of money. But then I also just donate prints and stuff to just tons, hundreds of smaller charities that use them for auctions and stuff like that. So it's just been really awesome to be able to kind of utilize my artwork across the board, across the nation, and just have donations come in from all different places and add up to this big number. And I feel like we're just getting started. Like there's still so much more to go and hopefully we'll cross that million dollar mark here in the next year or so. Sure is. And the original pieces, where, where do they end up? Do you, do you hang on to them or do they end up with an artist or what, what's, what do you do with them? Yeah, it depends. So uh, usually, uh, so sometimes they're commissioned in advance. So somebody like, Hey, I want to do a drawing of you know Chris Cornell or, you know, whoever, and then I'll do the drawing for them and make prints. And then sometimes we'll get in touch with that athlete or artist later and we'll put it together that way. Um, sometimes, but typically I just sell them separately if it's not commissioned in advance um, so this Eddie Vedder one, people have been blowing me up because I, I, we're going to sell it. I'm going to sell the Eddie Vedder original. I still have it. Um, but I don't really keep most of them. They all get sold uh, in some form or another because um, it just it takes so long for me to, to do each drawing. I'm like sick of them after I've been staring at them for months and months. I'm ready for them to find a new home. <laughs> yeah, and that that's a special thing too, isn't it, to be able to hang your original art um, on, on someone else's wall. I think that's you know that to be able to put that in someone else's lounge room pool room whatever wherever they want to put it in their office um yeah. i still can't believe it when i even originals or prints when i see like people will send me pictures and they'll have like a whole room with 10 prints of mine and i'm just like holy crap man i can't even believe it that you know someone would want to get one print let alone 10 and it's just so cool to see people just get behind my art and get as excited as I am about it. Cause I just, I love sports and giving back and, and bringing new people maybe into the art world. I think that's been a fun part too, is like the art industry in general can be a little bit scary. I think to the average person, you know, you walk into a gallery and it's kind of like, you know, depending on the gallery you go into, it can be a little bit, you know, pretentious or whatever, make you feel like you don't belong. So I try to like really bring in people by, you know, this isn't, you know, a dot on a canvas that you got to like figure out what the hell I'm trying to, to create here. You know, I'm trying to make it look like it's supposed to look, you know, like the photographs so people can like maybe appreciate it and not be so, um, you know, scared by the art world. So it's been fun bringing in a whole new group of people that's that sports fan into the art world and having them get excited about art as well. So it's just been cool from all different angles, from the new fans to the charities, to the athletes and just wrapping them all up together. Yeah, definitely, definitely. All right, I'm just going to bring up another mate of ours that uh, normally is on the show, and he's uh, he's decided to come in after half an hour. So just uh, <laughs> bear with me for one, one sec. Uh, his yeah, name's no Glenn, Cuz. G'day, Cuz. G'day, Az. Keegan, mate, thanks for coming on the show, mate. Just listening in the background, listening to you talk about your work. Mate, what an honour that you share your work with others, at, like, the gift you have, like just looking at some of some of your back work, and obviously as being a huge basketball fan, I've got a couple of teenage boys who love their basketball and and obviously as has introduced me into the local sort of music scene from an Australian point of view, the Chris Cornell picture, the Eddie Vedder picture. Mate, 
amazing work that you do and also the philanthropic side of it where you're raising money for others mate that's that must be very rewarding as well yeah man, i appreciate that man i appreciate those kind of words and you know that that was the goal from the beginning like literally day one was trying to figure out a way to use my art to give back and coming up with this 200 for 200 campaign like i didn't really know if it would work and it's been cool to not only see that it worked, but it worked really, really well. And we've been able to help so many people as a result. So, uh, man, I feel like I'm just getting started. I'm still learning to draw like each, each drawing that I do, I feel like I learned something different and that's, what's been fun. Cause I feel like a lot of people are also either learning to draw or they want to get back into the art. So they kind of see one of my posts and I'm, I'm taking people through the process of, Hey man, I'm at this stage right now and I'm trying to figure out, how to, you know, render this and get the shading just right. And people can kind of, can kind of come through the process with me and hopefully learn a little bit as we go. So yeah, we're just touching on all kinds of things as, as we kind of create art together and hopefully make the world a little bit better place as a result. Look, and that's fantastic, mate. Look, with a, as you, I don't know whether you've seen any of our other podcasts, but we've had some amazing guests on who, to as an eye, and I think as what mommy's saying this way, our talent pool isn't quite to the level of you artists, whether it's be musicians, sports people, um, illustrators like yourself. But the thing that amazes me about so many people like yourself who have got this amazing gift is one, the willingness to share that gift with others, but also the humility and how humble you are about the gift that you have, which to me I think is fantastic, which that's probably, that's probably the greatest gift of the gift that you have, if that makes sense, that you are, aware of it but it's not something that you hide and keep to yourself you're more than willing to share it so again mate thanks for that and as i said look i'd love you to teach me to draw mate but i think you'd be you'd be pushing the proverbial you know what uphill to try to do that <laughs> yeah it's it funny because i i don't know if this is typical for most artists but i just i still feel like i'm not that good like i look back at every drawing that i've done in the past and i see all the things that's wrong with it and yeah. it's like, oh man, I could have, that should have been better there. And I just, all these things are always nagging at me. And I, I take, you know, all these things on my back as I go into the next drawing and try to make it better. So in a lot of ways, I still like, I'm, I'm still learning too. Like, I don't really know what I'm doing. I'm just kind of figuring out as I go um, as well. So yeah, we're all in that same boat trying, trying to learn together. So if I can help other people out or they can learn from, from my uh, process or whatever, I'm happy to, to share what I'm doing. Have you, have you got a favorite one of the ones you've done, Keegan? Have you got one that you sort of think, geez, I've just, as you said, you are a harsh critic of yourself, but one that you look at and think, geez, I, I nailed that pretty well. Yeah. What, what's crazy is that every drawing that I've done has a kind of a crazy story behind it. Yep. Almost every single drawing where you could just pick one out and I'll be like, well, you're not going to believe this story. Like, whether it's, you know, doing a piece for President Obama to, you know, the Eddie Vedder, Russell Wilson and working with Sierra. And but obviously in terms of uh, just really kind of reaching the, the, the pinnacle so far of my artwork, I would say that's the Jordan one, because it's just, yeah. <laughs> you know, Jordan's always been my guy too, my favorite player. And the, the image itself is so iconic and just so difficult. And I just went all in trying to trying to make it happen. And I, it came out pretty close as i hope but still even that when i look back and i'm like oh man i could have done that better and 
So I got yeah. I got another one coming up here that's gonna it's gonna push me to that level yep. again. So stay tuned. And and as I said, I, I, I can't, as I said, I came on probably halfway through the show. Has have you had any feedback from the great man himself? Has he seen the picture or or whatever? He has actually. Yep. Yeah, yes, yeah. so I, I got to meet him. Yep. Um, which is obviously like a dream come true for me. Yep. Um, so yeah, that was, and, and we got some stuff that we're we're working on together actually. So can't share okay. too many details about that yet. But no, look, no we put, we appreciate the little teaser, mate. That'd be great to have a look at down the track. Yeah, it's been it's been crazy just to see. I mean, all my childhood heroes, you know, just like getting to meet these guys and work and even work with them and hear them talk about my artwork. I'm like, what? Like when they're telling me that they like my work and I'm just looking back at them, like, are you crazy, dude? You're like, you know, you're my hero. What are you saying to me? Like what? This is bonkers. So yeah. uh, now right. it's been, it's just been so cool to see um, all the different aspects and getting to know these people as people and not just, you know, you put them on these pedestals, which I've done my whole life, right? Now with all these athletes and musicians, and they're like bigger than bigger than life, and you get to meet them on a one-on-one basis and get to know them as a person. And it's just so much more rewarding to uh, that they're that they are the the great people that you hope that they would be. Um, so that's and that's been the case for everyone I worked with so far. Have you had those uh, pinch yourself moments? At any stage, meeting meeting some of these superstars of of the world. Now that you, you you're kind of pretty connected to them now. I mean, at every stage, it's like every every one that I do is just like like bigger than the next. It seems like, and I'm just like, oh my god, this one, and then like it's like, oh my god, that one, and then like yeah, so it's like it just it's kind of this never ending ride that just keeps on growing like the roller coaster keeps getting higher and i don't know how high it's gonna go but i'm just like trying to hold on for it and uh it, it's been awesome just to see you know the the projects grow too into bigger projects and bigger projects and raising more money with bigger goals and uh so yeah i mean every the whole thing i mean from start to finish just i think going back to the, my childhood or probably a lot of childhood and like, man, if I could make a living as an artist, that's the dream job. Like that's the one thing I would trade it all for and never think that that would ever be a reality. And just to know that, you know, I put in all these hours to, to, to make it a reality. I mean, a lot of people don't know when I was first getting back into art, you know, I, I had a day job for a long time and I would, you know, get up early in the morning and then, you know, go to work and you get back at like six or seven o'clock at night. You spend a few hours with the family. And then it was like back to my little art studio, you know, at like eight, nine o'clock at night until, you know, midnight, one o'clock, two o'clock in the morning. I just did that every single night trying to get like, try to learn to draw again and get those reps and put in that time and, and create the work that would ultimately lead me to this, to where I'm at now. But it didn't just happen, you know, in some respects it happened overnight, but in other respects, like I put in more than my 10,000 hours, you know, over my lifetime learning to draw and then, um, you know, just trying to get this whole thing off the ground again, you know, put, kind of doubling down that time 
So there's a lot of times I, I'll, I'll go around to schools. I speak at a lot of schools now and share my story. And, you know, I started here and then this happened and that happened and that happened. And it's like, but kind of the, the reoccurring theme throughout this is kind of like that hard work, determination, being a good person. And I think when it comes to like giving back, that's probably the biggest lesson that I've learned is like when, when you're giving without any expectation to receive back, like that, that's all I was doing was just giving money. Like I, I tell, I think when these athletes, when I reach out to these athletes, I'm like, Hey, I want to do this project and I want to donate all of the money to charity, to your charity or whatever. I think it, they don't even believe me at first. They, they think it's like a scam or something. And, but that's, that's like where my head's always been at. So I, I just give away all this, you know, all these funds and then without any expectation, but like it comes back in different ways. So it's like the more you give, the more you get. So that's always like the message I'm trying to share too. So it's like, man, people just keep on supporting me and this thing keeps growing. We're growing this thing together. You know, it's not just me. It's not just the athletes. It's it's like all these, it's like thousands of people around the world, like this podcast, like we're all just like pitching in a little bit at a time and like growing this message and like there's no end to what we could do. Yeah, I think it was uh, it was beautiful. I caught one of your, I think it was your Facebook lives or it might have been your Instagram live that you you had a little um, art class not long ago. About a, it seemed like it was about only about a week ago um, with some. They look like primary school kids or even maybe even younger. Um, and it was a, a massive moment for me being a huge Star Wars fan to see uh, you putting together this little baby Yoda drawing class. I kind of <laughs> felt like pulling out the, the sketch pad myself and but some of those kids were incredible like you're obviously a great teacher quickly because those, those kids were good i've always been surprised by that because you know i think usually uh with the older kids like high school i usually just go and like talk to them and they can absorb the message because they're a little bit older but for the younger kids we usually do some type of lesson right and i usually i try to pick like characters that i think they could draw like more cartoony type things and like, uh, I'm always amazed, like these kids are good. Like I need to pick like some harder material for them to go after because they're, they're getting it down pretty quickly. So it's been fun to get, uh, to see the kids not only produce artwork, but then be proud of what they made after. And hopefully we're just planting a little seed of creation that will grow into something that, you know, they can have a lifelong, you know, fascination of art and making stuff and just seeing what they're capable of too. Yeah, definitely. And one one beautiful image that you've done recently um, was the the ex president of the United States, um, Obama, and his wife um, Michelle. And I, I think this is a beautiful pick. Um, not only is it a beautiful pick because it's the two of them, but it was such a great moment, and it showed it showed so many things about Obama and the leading lady, obviously, and the first lady. And and it's kind of potentially could be a little look into the future. Who knows? Who knows? Um, with uh, swapping reins and and maybe the leading lady or the first lady could could become the next president. Who knows? But yeah, it must be a really proud piece as well. Yeah, I mean, and like I said, every drawing has a crazy story behind it. That one is no exception. Um, I, I basically was given free reign to create a piece of artwork of whatever I wanted, and it was going to be he, he uh, it was going to be a gift for for the president. And uh, I was just trying to think of like what, like he, he's the president. He's, he could have anything. People probably produce artwork of him a, a million times. 
But if I was in his shoes, what would I want? And I would want something of my life, really, as the feature. So that was kind of like where where I started with it. So I really wanted to feature Michelle, and and he's in there too. You know, you can see like the back of his head. He's in there, but it was really to put the spotlight on her, and then you know to have it you know delivered to him, and then um, you know the the. You, you, maybe you read it about it, but it's uh, basically I was told since it's, it's officially a gift from the state of Washington that it can only end up in one or two places. Either, um, either he's going to keep it because he wants it in his personal collection at his house, or it'll be on display at the presidential library that's being built in Chicago. So it's like if I get to see it again, cool. I'll see it in Chicago. Uh, if I don't get to see it again, I guess that's even cooler because it's in his house. So we'll see what happens that with that cool. one. That is absolutely cool. I know Kaz has got a question for you. Um, mate, again, amazing stories. The wonderful guests that we've had on the show, and obviously you hold your place in that group very well. And I'm looking forward to your answer probably more than other guests with obviously some of the people you've had the pleasure of working with. I ask this question. You can host a dinner party, Keegan. Now, obviously, you're the host. You can invite any five people you like. They can be living or dead. Who are the five people you're going to invite? Five. Man, that's a lot. That's a lot of people. <laughs> um, you know, growing up, I was always a big fan of the Renaissance. Like, I, uh, you know, the Renaissance era of, of the art the art period. So, um, you know, I was fortunate when I was in art school at the university of washington i got to study abroad so i lived in rome italy and got to travel all over the place so you know this this could count as one but like all the ninja turtles right like michelangelo (laughs) donatello leonardo you know all all them for sure um da vinci is probably my favorite artist if i had to pick one um so because there's not a lot of artists that i really you know, follow or learn from like historically, I took all the art classes and I absorbed all of it, but it was really the, the guys that did the more realistic stuff, whether it's the yep. sketches or the paintings that I kind of gravitate towards. Um, so that would definitely be in there. Um, but then, you know, obviously I'd have to go into like the sports and the music world. You know, I would love to have just people that live these unreal lives that most people can't even imagine what a day in the life would be, whether it's, you know, Michael Jordan, um, you know, the Beatles, like what would it be like being a Beatle man in their heyday or Elvis? Like you can't even people, just Michael Jackson, people just like drop into their, like passing out, looking at you, you know, and just the stories that the, the stories that they would have to tell. And, and actually for me, honestly, when I meet all these people, um, athletes, entertainers, whatever, I don't ask them anything about their craft i think they're used to hearing that all the time so like all these people that i would have at my dinner you know the michael jordans you know eddie vetters the da vinci's like i probably wouldn't really talk a lot about what they do because that's the obvious stuff that's what they talk about all the time like i i always i want to get to know them as a person because i think that once you start peeling back the layers you get to know them on on a different level and you can kind of you start getting at some of the clues as to why they are so good at what they do, and everyone has a kind of a little different wrinkle to to their uh, their puzzle that they're trying to solve. And I think that's just so fascinating for me to learn about other people 
and why they do what they do, especially the people that have became so successful because I think people have this, this notion of like, Oh, if I make $10 million, I'll just live on an Island for the rest of my life. And then, but, but these people have, there's no limit to the money that these people have. So that's obviously not the driving force. So like, what is that driving force? And I'm always fascinated at what, what makes people go and what gets them excited and what makes them keep moving forward um, trying to be the best. Like what is that inner motivation that gets them going? So that's always what I talk about with these people of just like getting to know them and their approach. Like when I was with Eddie, I was really curious, um, you know, about, uh, you know, how, how he, how he creates, I guess, you know, how he creates art, what is his motivation? How does he start, uh, you know, crafting a song, something like that, or, you know, what are things that they like to do, outside of you know sports or music or things like that because i think that you can find out more about a person what they do on their downtime than what they do with their like you know training time or music time or whatever that is right so no it would be be a wild wild dinner with probably a pretty eclectic group that's an amazing thing you say that too because in in as an i fan and doing the podcast and speaking to immensely talented people like yourself initially we would think and i think as would agree with me here that we would have nothing in common with these people. But as you said, even when you speak to someone like an Eddie Vedder who you've spoken to, it's amazing how you find little things that you both have in common. What what drives you to do what you do or what drives me to do what I do. So that's that's an amazing thing that you say that you would ask them and ask, ask those sort of questions. And, mate, thank you for continuing the tradition. I think of all the lovely, amazing guests we've had on the podcast, I think we're up, up to episode 55, I mean, one of our guests have actually invited their partner to dinner. Hmm. Everyone's in, everyone's invited all these famous people, but the partner's like it's. Oh, we have dinner with them every night, so we're, <laughs> they're not going to come to our big dinner. We'll we'll tell them who we had there, but yeah, but it's amazing <laughs> how you want to find out how what make people tick. I'm I'm a bit like that myself. It's amazing how you can when you speak to somebody and actually speak and then listen to somebody how much you can learn from them about what makes them tick. Yeah, I mean, you you realize that they're just people, right? And like, yep. you know, they get back, they get this, they get asked the same question a million times, right? Over and over again, like the same thing. Or people are just, or they don't even get to talk. People are just like, "You're so good at what you do, and I love you." And it's just like, what a crazy life to live to have that type of adoration, right? So I think when you can kind of remove that element from the conversation completely. I think it kind of they can lower down their guard a little bit too and open up, and the conversations are just so much more fruitful um, as a result. Definitely, um, I want to I want to finish off today, and we could talk for hours, mate. I really appreciate <laughs> you coming on. We've had an absolute ball uh, getting you on as as one of our one of our first actual real life artists that's doing something different outside of the music and sport genres, but also the fact that um, you're still combining those two loves. And I think that's that's an incredible thing. But one of the current pieces you're working on that I'm following you uh, epically on Instagram at the moment with uh, with this, we talked about famous poses. Um, now, this, this could be one of many uh, guitarists because it's that classic guitar pose. But I think the incredible part about this piece is the angle and the fact that it's pulled back and you've, you may you've set yourself another massive challenge here because <laughs> this is going to be as epic 
is the Jordan piece, no doubt. Just tell us a little bit about this piece from uh, with featuring Dave Grohl. Yeah, so yeah, Dave Grohl, that's the one I'm working on now. And uh, it, it's funny, when I first started drawing, I always uh, it's always fun for me to see if people can guess who I'm drawing. And I, I try to... I try to make it really hard. Like it's only the first few sketch lines of getting it roughly laid out. Yeah. That one, I was thinking no one's going to like, you can't really tell anything from that. And like people got it. So I'm like, damn, how the hell are people getting this? I got to make it a little bit more challenging as I approach my next one. But um, yeah, it's uh, this is another one similar to the Jordan piece. It's just like a massive crowd, lots of faces, the perspective is there. Like you really want to get that depth built into it and, uh, and then uh, bring it all together into what, what looks like a photograph. Right. So uh, it's been, it's been challenging. I'm, I'm getting close to finishing. I think I've, I've hidden myself in this one. So I'm in the crowd somewhere. So you have to be on the lookout for that one. Super. And then yeah. actually I heard, uh, I got a message from the, from the Foo Fighters team. So we're going to have a call soon about, about something. So it's been cool to be able to see, you know, artwork travel to and get in front of these people, you know, that you never thought you would get in front of and they get to see your artwork and, you know, who knows what's going to come, come from it, but hopefully I'll finish it the next, you know, week or so. And then uh, on to the next one, baby. Awesome. <laughs> well, I can see, right. I, I can see a little gap in there, mate, in, in where you're up to at the moment and being a massive Foo Fighters fan myself. Yeah. Um, I'd love to see my I'd love to see my little head thrown in there somewhere, mate. I, I'll <laughs> issue you a little challenge. Yeah, I got a, I got a few faces here, so I just got to find one that uh, that would suit you. I bet you uh, I bet you've had a few requests to put me in there, put me in, get me in. <laughs> always, yeah. always, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, it's been fun. It, sometimes I mix it in, and you know, sometimes it's if it's like commissioned for a specific person, they probably want it you know, more true to the original image as possible. So it's like a balancing act. Yeah. When was that show? Can you give us a little light on that one? I want to say this one was, I want to say 2012. I have, I have it saved somewhere here, yep. but I want to say like 2012. Um, it might even have been, I want to say like England or something. Yeah. I can tell you one thing that would, I mean, we, we just look into the world of these musicians and, what a feeling that must be. Obviously, the Jordan dunk comp, that's a moment, right? One of those moments. But to be standing, even even on stage as that musician must be just incredible. But to be even in that position where that photographer took that shot, the energy of that kind of feeling would be just, would just be incredible, wouldn't it? That many people singing your song. Man. I mean, what, what, a, what a beautiful piece of art that is as well. I mean, I, I have no musical talent. I can't sing. I can't play any instruments. But if I could, that that, that rock star feeling, <laughs> like like you're describing, of being on the stage with that many thousands of people just rocking to your music as you're just crushing it, like I can't even imagine that that sensation that would rush through your body. I think the closest thing would be, you know, sporting event, right? So I've yeah. I've been to sporting events. I've played in some that haven't had that big of a crowd, but um, even when I've been um, you know, some of my art has been featured or I've been at some of the stadiums with my artwork being displayed. Um, it's like, I get a little sliver of what that might be like. Um, but man, I'm, un un unbelievable. Even having that small exposure, like a, 
the Seattle Sounders, our, our soccer team here in Seattle, um, we did a project where they gave out 20,000 of my prints as a fan giveaway. So there was a whole like autograph signing session at the stadium. And it was just crazy to see people come out and want to get, you know, signatures and my, my artwork on the big screen. And it's just like wild to be you know, kind of injected into that kind of big time experience. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Um, and one of the other pieces that I think's just one of those incredible moments as well was, uh, this was the the in phase as you were coming through that um, into the you know the working through the stages and then to finish with this just incredible pose um, of Chris Cornell, uh, mate. He'll be remembered for a long time, uh, that's for sure. And and you've really etched that piece into the memory of all Soundgarden fans. Man, yeah, that that was a, that was definitely a tough one for me. But you know, getting I I originally connected with his personal photographer that that traveled with the family for years and years and years. And we were originally putting together a project for the foundation and he gave me access to like his vault of photos and videos. Mm. And it was amazing just to look through. It was actually a different photographer than that particular image. Uh, but this was like in between that. So um, it was just amazing to see all these different shots and these different videos of Chris of like off stage. Right. Mm. So he's not, putting on a show, but you see the person. And, uh, and it was really kind of touching for me that, that the first Cornell drawing that I did, you know, that photographer that knew him so well, he was just like, man, Chris would have loved this. Yeah. That, that one He's like, Chris would have loved this. So it was just so cool to hear that from somebody who knew him so well, you know? Yeah. And then, uh, yeah. So it was, yeah, it was, it was a cool moment for me to even get that kind of feedback. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Thanks for sharing that. Gives me goosebumps of that story, knowing uh, knowing that we've sent some love up to Chris to to enjoy, mate. Because that you you know you're incredible, mate. You're incredible at what you do. Keep it keep it going. That's for sure. Um, I know you got some incredibly exciting projects uh, that you've got bubbling along, and you're going to have many more in the future. Giving back so much money to so many people who really need it, um, and the fact that you can give and help someone like Eddie Vedder with more reach for the charities that they're involved in. Um, mate, that, that must make you, make you very proud for sure. Oh, it's awesome. I mean, it's like, it's the most rewarding thing you could do is, you know, be able to give, give to somebody and help somebody in need. I mean, all these different charities have such big missions that impact real lives. And it's like, what, like, what more could you want? Like for me to be able to do art and give back. I mean, it's like, what more could I possibly ask for than the combination of these things? So it's, it's been pretty rewarding. It's fantastic. Great to hear. Um, Keegan Hall, thanks for joining us, mate, on episode 56 of So What's Been Happening. We Thanks for connecting together. Um, we'll, we'll, follow you, it, mate. we'll follow you epically, mate, on uh, everything you've got coming up and we'll help spread the love anytime we can. So I look forward to having a chat to you about you when you get that and you get those next couple of pieces done, um, maybe we'll get you back on and um, push out a release. Anytime, man. I had fun, man. Thanks for having me, and I uh, look forward to my next visit. Fantastic. Thanks very much, Thanks, Keegan. Keegan. We're Hi, just going to leave in the background um, that great shot of Kobe Bryant. Cool. Cheers, guys. <laughs>